0: There was a finite date of when this investment was going to have to kick in. It was May 1, several years ago. You already know the story. May 1 rolls around and there's no money. There's no investment. He's gone. All the cars are gone. Everything's gone. It was a complete and total
1: scam. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've gotta reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stott's investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest Rob Angel. Rob, are you ready to rock? I am so ready to rock. You look like it. I think I'm a little bit more sleepy than you are though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all good. All right. Well, let me tell the audience a bit about you because they may know something that you've created, but they may not know your name. So, Rob is a speaker, author, and entrepreneur. He has recently published his book Game Changer: The Story of Pictionary and How I Turned a Simple Idea into the Best-Selling Board Game in the World. In 1985, using a few simple tools, a paperback dictionary, a number two pencil, and for the kids out there, that looks a little bit like this. I'm holding up a pencil-ish type of thing, and a yellow a legal pad. He created the phenomenally successful and iconic board game Pictionary, putting together the first 1,000 games by hand in his tiny apartment. Angel mastered all the needed business skills, including sales, marketing, and distribution before selling the game to Mattel in 2001. And today he makes his home in Seattle where he is involved in philanthropy and he mentors young entrepreneurs. Bob, take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life.
0: <laughs> well, there's, there's quite a few. As you, uh, nice to see you. Thanks for having me, by the way. Yep. Yeah, tidbits, let's see. Pictionary, let's, how did, how did Pictionary get started? right? That's always a Mm. topic of conversation. And what people think or what you think is when you have a great idea, you know, you have a plan. Well, not all great ideas, not all great products start with a plan or a dream or a vision because mine didn't. Mine just started almost by accident. My dad was fired from his job when I was in college. Now, I'm not sure what the connection is if you're listening, but here's the deal up until that point i was going to be my dad i was going to be a businessman i was going to be an executive he was my role model i wanted to be like him i get to college halfway through my sophomore year dad gets fired dad gets fired so now i'm thinking to myself no wait a minute he's a president of the company this is what i want to do if he can get fired then i can get fired that's not going to happen i'm going to be in charge of myself i'm in charge of my own life certainly being in charge of my career so i switched my mindset pivot as they call it to being an entrepreneur and take care of myself. And so this was the first time after I got fired, I had an uncertain future. I had no idea what I was going to do. I didn't know where an opportunity was to come, but I knew I was going to do three things. I was going to be open. I was going to be aware and I was going to be present. And at 19 years old, I mean, who knows what they really want to do? I didn't. I couldn't tell you. I can tell you what I didn't want to do. And that was now be my, my dad's job. So I was going to be open to opportunity. I was going to be aware enough when I found an opportunity, you know, that resonated, I was going to feel that. And then I was going to be present enough to act on it, to, to do something about it. I mean, that's the big difference. I mean, we've all got ideas, right? But it's that, it's that taking action is the hard part. So I was going to get you aware now I graduated from college. So I put myself through school. I had to decide at 19, what do, you know, what do I want out of life? Well, that involves graduating college. So I move in with three buddies and one night, one of them said, hey, do you wanna play a game called Tres on Paper, sketching words out of the dictionary? I'm thinking, sure, why not? Now the opportunity is to have fun. The opportunity isn't a board game, it's just to have fun. We played it a second night and a third night and a fourth night. So now I'm thinking, okay, maybe there's a board game here. And <laughs> one, thing, one thing people say, Rob, do you always think you're going to be a great board game inventor? <laughs> no, no, I had no idea. I was right? just going to have some fun. I was going to, that's exactly what it was, right? I'm having fun. And I'm thinking, how can I package this? How can I make this into something fun? I mean, I was having a ball. So other people, you know, should be able to have fun. Hmm. So what we're talking 1982. What is the technology of the day folks? Board games, right? If I came up a picture right now, it'd be an app or it'd be a, something on the web, but that's what was given me. So no, did I plan on being a board game inventor. No, but that's the way it worked out. So I decided to start working on this game, but I pinned, right? So the thing, the thing that I knew people would pay for, and I knew what I needed to do is figure out how to put words into a game. That was the tangible, tangible problem. So fast forward, I had two years of thinking about it, thinking about it. And I'm thinking about it, right? I'm not doing anything. And so finally it wouldn't leave my mind though. You ever had those ideas You get out of the shower and you've got this great idea Right, we all do. I still do, for goodness' sake. It wakes me I up st- at
1: four in the morning.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> you don't write them down or do something with it. Doesn't matter, right? You gotta remember it. So most often or not, you get out of the shower, you forget. Well, I didn't do that with Pictionary. Remember Trivial Pursuit? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah they were the big dog. The so I open up Triple Pursuit and, and I see words printed on cards. Right? Notice how I'm holding my hand because I remember it. I'm looking at it like it was yesterday. We're talking thirty. It's about years ago. I look at this card. I go, that's how I make pictures." I put words on a card. And then, of course, I didn't do anything with it. I panicked. I just panicked. This is where we get inside our head. Whether it's investing, whether it's friendships, whether it's business, whatever it is, I couldn't get out of my head. I kept telling my mindset, I'm a waiter. I can't do it. I don't have the skill set. I don't have a plan. I don't have a world out there. Big world, forget it. It's too much for me. I got overwhelmed. I could visualize, picture on the store shelf, somewhere over here, but getting it there, too much. So I, I kind of, I shut down. Really, I mean, it was like it was like uh, too much for me, and so mm-hmm. finally, I decided it was time to get out of my head, pivot my pivot my attitude to I can do it, and from there, and then it gets a little. A little fun as well but that's that's really how it got started and i i had to start small this is the mm. thing i always talk about is starting small so i grabbed as as you said earlier and the thing that was right in front of me about a paper a dictionary and a pencil i went in the backyard opened it up looked it for the first word first word double a ardvart that was it ardvart I mean, I'm running around the backyard. My roommates think I'm insane. I wrote down the word Aardvark. That's how Pictionary got started. Because then I wrote another word. And I told myself, now, I'm not a waiter anymore. I'm a game inventor. I'm a game inventor. That was the switch. And all it took was writing one word,
1: Aardvark. Well, there, ladies and gentlemen, you got to get the book and listen to the whole story that's pretty exciting i mean when i think about it and you know you look back on these things and it's just it's just unbelievable you know i mean when we look at the thousands and millions of people with ideas that are running around in their backyard talking about their crazy idea and then we talk now many years ahead and look back it's such a okay. it's such a weird experience cuz you know that there's so many people with great ideas, great things, you know, running around excited and they don't make it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, they don't make it literally and figuratively. That's the difference between me and the three other guys that were in the house where I discovered Pictionary. Anybody could have done it. Anybody could have walked out of the shower and said, I'm gonna make Pictionary. I was the guy who did it. I was the guy who got started. That's the only difference. And it, I didn't have a plan, right? If you look at Mark Cuban, if you talk to him, or Sarah Blakely or with Spanx, we all say the same thing. No idea what we were doing. There's no manual, but we got started. Whatever that looked like, that's the difference. The plan will come later. We
1: can worry about that later. So I have one last question before we get into the question of the podcast. And that is, when you look at the beginning of the journey all the way until you sold the company, yeah. What would you say was the hardest part for you? Like the biggest challenge that really you weren't equipped to handle or just, it just was way more difficult than you had expected?
0: Yeah, it's funny. The hardest part turned was really kind of the easiest part because what I said a minute ago, there was no manual. We had no idea what we were doing. So every day, you know, you kind of wake up and you Look around, oh, God, what's going to happen today? What what disaster is going to befall us today? But eventually, the mind shift started, okay, there's going to be a problem today. Let's get it fixed, right? And so this huge uncertainty, this huge negative of not having a clue turned into our biggest bonus, our biggest plus by far. As I like to say, they say, you got to break the rules. Well,
1: I never asked what the rules were. So how could you break it? (laughs) <laughs> it was great. Well, it, it makes me think about, you know, when we look back at problems, we say, wow, that was really hard. But when we look forward at problems, they're just coming one day at a time and we're just trying to get through yeah. them. And how, many, <laughs> how many
0: times? And I know the answer is a ton. Have this, this disaster happened and it turned into the best thing possible when my dad got fired, right? I'm thinking I'm 19. Holy moly. What it's a- over. Do it, it's over. College is over. What am I going to do? Well, if he hadn't have gotten fired, Pictionary never would have happened because I was taking my education for granted. I was not working hard. I was an academic probation, but it was that it was that terrible moment that turned into the best thing that ever could have happened to. Me.
1: And one last thing I would say, you know, in the airport in Thailand, in Bangkok, the, the runway is north south and at some portion of the year, you're taking off to the south. And another portion of the year you're taking off to the north. So they switch that around and it has to do with the monsoon season. And during the monsoon season, the, the winds are coming up from the Indian Ocean. And during the cold weather season, the winds are coming down from China. So which way does the plane take off? Well, it takes off into the wind. It is the resistance that allows the lifting of the plane and it's that resistance that gives us the motivation the energy the spirit and maybe even the push to improve so i love that concept and i always think of you know going to the airport and thinking about okay which direction are we taking off today love it <laughs> love it all right well now it's time to share your worst investment ever and since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be. Tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. When you asked the question, there was a lot of, a lot of answers Yeah, that came up.
0: Actually, I'm gonna share a story that happened recently because it's relevant because it went against everything that I know about myself and investing and where to put my money. It was it was one of those, are you kidding me? You, <laughs> what do you think? When Pictionaries happened, I was twenty-six, twenty-seven. By the time I was twenty-eight, twenty-nine, I've got a lot of money. Right? Pictionary was a worldwide bestseller, we licensed. I had no idea what to do. Right. I don't know. I weigh tables for a living. I don't know. So I reached out and to two guys that I know that have a fair amount of money they both said the same thing they, they were mentors and they both said the same thing is what do you want for your life and go, no wait a minute I, I, I got this money what do i do with it so i had to stop what do i want well i want freedom so for me for me it's time and freedom and so to take my money and try to make whatever i made into 10 times as much risk Freedom. I didn't want to have to work if I didn't want to. I create another game if I didn't want to be associated with who I wanted to. be, It's all about freedom. And so instead of saying, "What can my money do for me?" Excuse me. What can I do with my money? I said, "What? How do I visualize what I want, which is freedom, and invest accordingly?" And it's boring stuff, folks. (laughs) Gotta tell you. I gotta tell you, you're looking at a crazy man in real life. I mean, I run with the bulls, I skydive, I you know, I do all these crazy things. But my financial life, it's my freedom, and so I would be very conservative, and I would I would sleep at night. Right? There's there's a this bit of advice that if I made an investment and I couldn't sleep, then it was a wrong investment. Doesn't matter if I was going to make a million bucks or lose it all plus or minus, didn't matter. So I would stay away from those investments. And I never made an investment that was gonna affect my lifestyle plus or minus, right? If I lose X, which way do your hand go? If I lose you know, a bunch of money, that's gonna hurt. If I make a bunch of money, it's not gonna hurt. So with that as a backdoor, very conservative guy. About four years ago, I got a call. Deal of a lifetime for you. Oh, just fantastic. Now, again, I know how to invest. It was a 56X in four months. Now, on the surface, I'm a smart guy. The chances of that happening are remote at best. But the story, I don't know, there was just something about it that captured my imagination. Somebody brought it in. It was somebody I trusted, somebody I knew. So it wasn't just random. And so I look at the paperwork, and I don't understand any of it. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this is another red flag. I mean, we're talking red flag. Let's say, at this point, I should just walk away. Well, I, I didn't walk away. Let's, let's go a little far. So, let me tell me about the investment. So, he tells me, and it's this convoluted, reverse stock split, hybrid, contentious, pack of sugar. I don't, I'm I'm making I have no idea what it was. I couldn't stop myself. It was nuts. The problem was my intuition, everything said red flag. My ego took over. My ego of, maybe it's real, right? Maybe I'm smart enough. 56x. And so I, I could show you trail after trail of red flag. And I, it's the first time maybe ever, I couldn't stop myself. I put in, some money. I'm going, I'm going. And even as I'm writing the check, everything I said, I said 10 minutes ago, about sleeping at night, right out the window. I'm a total liar. I, have, I was doing everything wrong. Put the money in. Greed started kicking in again, because I was going to make a follow on investment. I'm going, come on. And, and it was like, it was like, I, I can't even describe it. There was not one thing that said yes. And everything said no. And I kept going. So I'm getting ready to make a follow on investment. I even met the guy, I saw how he lived. I, you know, he had these cars and I'm going, well, I have cars too, but oh, he's got a dumber car. So maybe, maybe I should do this. Please take more of my money. Please take more of my money. It was ridiculous. Just before I wrote the second check, I kind of, okay, fine. There's just too many red flags. Now he's telling me we're both going to go to jail because the SEC. On and on and on, trying to scare me. So now red flag. Finally said enough, enough. And so there was a finite date of when this investment was going to have to kick in. It was May one of several years ago. You already know the story. May one rolls around and there's no money. There's no investment. He's gone. All the cars are gone. Everything's gone. It was a complete and total scam from the start. It was a, it wasn't even a Ponzi scheme. He wasn't paying anything out. And my first reaction when I I realized I had been scammed was what a moron. And I'm talking about myself, not him. I mean, it was like, and then, then it was like, I was over it. I kind of knew. So it wasn't like a huge shock. But it was still. I, I would have asked myself time after time after time, why, even though I know it was bad when I started. This wasn't like going in with wide eyes and hoping and hoping. I knew, but I still did it. And the only thing I could come up with is maybe if you're feeling a little flush, and I, I was feeling a little greedy. And I thought, you know, maybe just maybe if I take this one risk, this one time, it'll come to it'll happen. Because I had avoided this exact thing. 100, 200 other times throughout my investing career. So think about that for a minute. Let's say I put up, we'll say $50,000. Yeah. Well, if there's a hundred of these, right? And none of them are gonna pay off, what is it, 5 million bucks. And first of all, I don't have $5 million to lose. Damn. But I say no all the time. I say no 99.9% of the time. And the one times I don't, you know, unless I'm investing in myself, and it, was, it was just crazy. And it was, it was,
1: he's in jail, by the way. Wow. That, well, that, that's a good ending to that story. Ah, yeah. anyway, it was, uh, it was crazy. So tell me what, how would you summarize the lessons that you learned from it? <laughs> how would I summarize?
0: Listen, oh, man, listen to, listen to yourself. Listen to your intuition. I over my brain overrode my intuition. My intuition is my gut instinct, my feeling, my, the visceral reaction when, I know it's wrong, right? I know it's wrong, but my brain, my ego took over. And so it's always been since beginning of investing for me. Trust your intuition. I'm talking to myself, I'm telling you, I'm not telling you anything I don't do. Trust my instincts. If you're not sleeping at night, Rob, you've done them, don't do it. And so if I just stay true to my vision, to my, whatever my investing philosophy is, which you now know, when I stay true to that, if I lose, which I have lost other investments. That's okay. But at least I knew what I was doing
1: and yeah, I know the risk. Could we go back to that moment in time, you know, and I want to separate the idea of intuition from emotion and maybe greed or something like that, that comes in, you know, intuition sometimes is a more subtle thing where you mentioned something about feeling flush and intuition sometimes can hit us for just a moment. And I think part of one of the things I've learned from now many interviews is that that moment of intuition is much more powerful than what we realize. Can you think, can you help us understand how that was that the emotion just steamrolled the intuition? (laughs) It just did
0: because it was greed. There was just this, there was this one inkling of 1% that said, you know, maybe I've got it wrong. Maybe, maybe my intuition is wrong. This one time, even though it's never been wrong, Mm. it doesn't mean I haven't made wrong decisions, but this one time, if I override my intuition, maybe this will be the one time that I I strike it rich and I make all this money. Of course it doesn't work out that way. It never does. Whether it's an investment, whether it's finding partners for your business, whether it's getting capital for your business, whether it's finding a marketing strategy, you, you know, we all know as entrepreneurs, we know as investors what's right and what's wrong. That's not complicated. That's Honestly, that's pretty easy to figure out. It's that, it's that listening to yourself, which I did not do this one time. So there, there was a disconnect, a complete and
1: total disconnect. Great. And for the listeners out there, I mean, I think that the one message is there really is a difference between emotion and intuition and intuition That's comes cool. as a flash, and it can pass as a flash, but the point is pay attention to, to it. And there are actually some great research studies done many, many years ago where they did took groups of people and they literally flashed something on a screen to, to such a, a speed that the people didn't even know it was flashed on the screen. And then they asked those people to respond to other situations and they responded based upon what they were shown in those screens. Like they were shown happy pictures and mad pictures and they responded with happy, they responded with mad in a noticeably different, you know. So I think that that really was something that helped me to understand that intuition is just a fleeting moment and you've got to pay attention to it.
0: Yeah, you have have to pay attention because most of us, again, whatever scenario you want to use, investing, we'll never, unless we research it to death, have all the information we need to make an informed decision. Even though this guy's plan was gobbledygook, I've I've looked at other plans. It's very simple business model Mm -hmm. of a new widget. And it's very simple to understand. I still, there's no way I'm gonna do the research to understand everything about it. So at some point you just have to have a leap of faith that you've made all the right, uh, you've looked at the right thing, and then you just gotta go with it or not go with it. But you have to trust that that last mile, the last 20% and go, okay, how do i feel you know that's a ter- terrible way to make your investments
1: but it's true how do i feel exactly well let me summarize some of the things that i took away from your story and then maybe we can talk about that i love the uh, open and aware and present you know and that's that's a not a common thing for a young person usually we're caught up in all of the excitement of the day i had something that someone taught me when i was young and it was called how honesty open-mindedness and willingness and it was those three things that i tried to shape my life around to be honest to be open-minded but also to be willing to take the actions the other thing that's a critical lesson i think for the listener is that you know it's nice to think that leonardo da vinci came up with you know all these original thoughts and all these people are doing so original things but truthfully we're all standing on the shoulders of giants and we're getting ideas from other people you know my idea for this podcast came from listening to a guy that had a podcast called my worst interview ever so you know people come to me and they say well, that's a really original idea and i think yeah but i'd still i i was influenced by others around me and you you tell that story very clearly about how you were you know influenced by the board games that you saw and what was going on now there's a couple of other things that i think you know that that really made me think a lot and if if you were to say what is the key to Warren Buffett's success in investing. I would say he's really good at watching grass grow. And what does that mean? It means that investing for the long-term, careful, you know, thoughtful investing, is just a simple, simple, long-term waiting game. It is not a game of excitement and all kinds of things buying and selling and all that, if you get seduced into that, you are missing the whole opportunity because the opportunity is ultimately time. And many young people, they don't start investing in it at a young enough age and let that grass grow.
0: Compound interest.
1: Exactly. Was, my kids were young. It was the one thing, you know, they're too young to understand
0: investing. But I always said, if you put $50 in a bank account, what? You know, when you're 65, let's see what that looks like. And those numbers were staggering, yeah. right? And the thing about Warren Buffett, the word you're looking for, which my story tells you I was not disciplined. You've got to have your parameters. That's why after 35 years of making all that money, I still get to lead the life I want. I still get to have my time. I still get my freedom, not because I'm smarter, not because I did a better game, not because of anything else other than I was disciplined with my vision for myself. And that hmm. dictated my investing. It wasn't my investing dictated how I was going to live. It was the exact opposite. I nice. planned for my success. I didn't plan for failure. Plan B, got to have one. But plan for your success and what that looks like and that will help dictate your business, your growth, your investment strategy, the people you want to hang out with. That's the important thing.
1: Yeah. And you know, one of the things about that compound interest chart, having been teaching finance all my life, working in the area of finance, of course we all talk about that chart, but there's one thing about that chart that most people do not understand. And yeah. that is if you ever, ever remove any of the money in that account, yeah. so even one year of interest or dividend and you do not reinvest it, that line becomes linear not exponential. Correct. So the point about watching grass grow and get, taking advantage of that is the idea of just leaving it in there. Now there's a few other things that I got from it, you know, and I think but one of the things that I would like to say is that, you know, I appreciate the fact that you talked about the shame you felt by making this mistake. Because I know that many of the listeners out there feel shame. And you know, a good friend of mine from Pakistan and he's a financial professional an excellent, you know, brilliant guy. And he shared a story of some big mistakes that he made investing in the stock market and just investing in general. And you realize, you know, that even financial professionals, even people with lots of money and advisors make mistakes and feel shame about it. And then you move on. And so, I really appreciate that you are willing and open to share that because I think that's ultimately one of the most valuable things that can help people to get back up after making their mistake.
0: Make a mistake. And and no matter what you're feeling, happiness, joy, shame, whatever, feel it, then move on. Don't let it eat you up. Don't let it ruin your next investment. Let it ruin your next anything. Figure it out. Okay. Here's what I did wrong. Here's what I did right. Where's the next opportunity? Move on.
1: Yeah. And the last thing I want to highlight is the area of the area of fraud in the world of investing. And it's a little bit like if you've ever seen a magic trick done by somebody, and then later you figure out how the trick is done, you just feel like an idiot. Why didn't I see that? (laughs) He's just putting it underneath his thumb, you know, his hand. And I couldn't see that. It becomes so obvious after you look on the other side. Yeah. But for most of us, when scams and other you know, things come, the people that present them are like master card players and they have yeah. ways of convincing you. And so it's really important to go back to doing research and you know, trying to overcome your emotion and focus on the research. Remember that you know, you've got to trust, you've got to build trust over time and all of that. But I think that's another really critical element is Don't be afraid to challenge and question someone who's setting your emotions on fire.
0: Oh, my. I love that. I mean, that has been The way I'm watching you, your eyes are bugged out. I love that. That Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I mean, they're going to be pushing every button. You know, they're very skilled. He knew what he was doing. I mean, I knew what he was doing. I couldn't stop. But, yeah, they know what they're doing. They know what buttons to push, what motivates you, what inspires you, what, you know, gets your heart racing. So, yeah. You got to be
1: diligent. All right, so let's ask this question, which is based upon what you learned from this story and what you've continued to learn in your life. What one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate when that man or woman comes along with that amazing story? Uh, What is the one thing? Well, I said it before. I'm going to say it again. Trust that little
0: voice in your head. If you can get past that little voice, then go ahead and do your research. Then I go ahead and see what the investment looks like. But have that voice first, don't get right into it and your emotion is running rampant and you go, oh, wait a minute, my voice is telling me, my inner voice is telling me this. It was probably telling you before you got to that point. So it's okay to miss an investment. It's okay to miss an investment. What is what, the expression is, I'd rather miss 10 great investments than go into one bad one. So, <laughs> right? So so make the wrong mistake maybe just listen to yourself we're all smart we all know what we need we all know what we want just pay attention to it and be disciplined about it and for those of you that can't do that <laughs> never invest in anything that is going to change your lifestyle that was the other big rule that i had so if you've got x and you take 20 percent of it and try to turn it into 20x and it fails your lifestyle changes never make an investment that is going to change your lifestyle positive or negative keep going for the doubles keep going for the singles keep going for those hits and quit swinging for the fences and you'll build like mr buffett you'll just build watching the grass
1: yeah and if you can't you know if that if that fraudster trickster or or person has really got your emotions and they want that ten thousand dollars for that investment one option is to say, I'd like to start with a hundred dollars. Yeah. And that's the concept of sizing your position. And so, you know, if you really feel like this is an opportunity, but there's nothing wrong. And if they come back and go, can't do it. No way. It's gotta be this. There's more yeah. red flags. There's more red, red flags. Flag. All right. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Ah, uh, To
0: sell some books. And have fun doing it. It's got to be fun, right? I'm trying to sell Game Changer. It's on Amazon. That's you know, it was a labor of love. Six years to write that book. It was phenomenal. Telling the story of Pictionary, you know, the ups, the downs, the challenges, the emotion. You know, I love you. You know, you're talking about emotion. All of Pictionary was in, the whole story is about emotion. But I want to sell some books. But I want to share the story more than that. Mm-hmm. I want to just talk about it. I want to talk about what I did right, what I did wrong. And hopefully it will resonate with people and they can make some of the same stuff, make some of the mistakes that I made. And I just wanna share it. I just wanna get
1: out there and share the story. Fantastic, and it's, the book's just recently come out, ladies and gentlemen, it is on Amazon. And if you go to Amazon, what you'll see is that with about 50 reviews so far, you're at a five out of five rating And that is pretty much very, very rare. So I want to congratulate you on getting, you know, great reviews for people, you know, saying, and I've I've read through all the reviews that have been written and it's fantastic about the journey and the way you take people on it. So listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com as we end rob i want to thank you for coming on the show i know that it is painful talking about our losers and i want to congratulate you for being one of the brave ones i say brave because when i ask most people to come on the show they say no andrew i'd prefer to talk about my winners now you have turned your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment do you have any parting words for the audience
0: Yeah just go out and do it i call it finding your hard work that's right picture he started with writing one word didn't start with a plan i didn't have everything in place before i got started i just got started with what was right in front of me dictionary pad of paper to pencil and the word hard work. That's all you got to do That's
1: all you got to do read the book and learn all about finding your Ard-bart. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our well-fellow risk-takers. This is Andrew Stotz, your worst podcast host today, saying, I'll see you on the upside.